We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, Hornets fans? Welcome into another episode of BuzzBeat. We are the go-to Charlotte Hornets podcast for deep analysis, and you can find us on the Blue Wire Network. Just search BuzzBeat and or Blue Wire on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Also, uh, if you enjoy the content, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It really does take but one minute to complete that. On the previous episode, we discussed Kimba's comments in Tokyo, uh, the salary implications of the Supermax deal, and we profiled P.J. Washington as well as the polarizing Kevin Porter Jr. On today's episode, a little less exciting, but we're going to get into some second-round prospects that could be available for Charlotte at either the 36th pick or uh, maybe the 52nd pick as well. So let's check in with the co-host. Spencer and Brian, I hope you guys are doing well. You guys enjoying the NBA Finals? Game five was a was a good one. Any thoughts on the finals so far? Uh, I mean, I got a lot of thoughts. Yeah, this is probably, probably the most exciting thing we'll talk about in this episode since we're covering second round prospects. But um, I mean, Kawhi Leonard, right? Like, I mean, he's had some MJ moments in this playoffs. Obviously, last night, you know, scoring nine straight points. Uh, or it might have been 11, to, to what looked like he was going to will Toronto to the NBA championship. And then mm-hmm. Golden State proves once again why they're the most mentally tough team in the world, maybe ever. Uh, and I just – they play such a beautiful and weird brand of basketball at the same time. And it just felt like once Durant got hurt, um, which is a totally different topic. They were just going to be too overmatched. Like Toronto would eventually get over the hump. Like I, I think I tweeted that out with like seven minutes to go in that game last night. You could just see it trending. You could see the Raptors gaining ground. You could just see the Warriors just not couldn't hold on. And it just takes an out of body experience from Steph and Clay for just a blink of an eye, and everything changes. It's, just, it's unbelievable um, that that group. So. I still don't think Golden State can can make it all the way back though without Durant and now Kevin Looney down for the season. They just they're out of bodies. Like Steph and Clay yeah. are unbelievable, but I don't think they can they can bring them all the way back. Yeah, I don't think they have enough. They just don't have enough like secondary shooting options too to like keep things afloat without Durant, and then that allows Toronto's half court defense, which is amazing, to just key on on Curry and Thompson and 
prior to last night when Steph hadn't played in the series, Golden State was right at one point per possession. I, I didn't look up what it what it was after last night, but not good. And you know, it's it's got to be tempting for Golden State fans because you saw just how good the death lineup looked in those. First, I mean, over two points per possession in the first five minutes of the game, which is just ludicrous. But um. Last night, honestly, Game Five felt weird. I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but it um, you know, Durant's injury put such a funk over everything. It felt like it reminded me of back in February when I was in Cameron. Now, obviously, I wasn't in Scotiabank for the for the game last night, but uh, it just felt like the, the injury happened, and it was like it just like the, all the air got let out of the building for the next you know, 20, 30 minutes. I stopped taking notes in my, in my den. It was just sort of watching the game go by, um, only sort of like half recognizing what was happening on the screen. Uh-huh. And, um, and, you know, it just, it just stinks with Durant, but it, the game ended up being a classic too. Right. And it was just haymakers going back and forth. I can't believe golden state won. I thought when Toronto made that charge, keyed by that one stretch with Kawhi in the fourth quarter I was just like oh man they're about to win like this is this is the championship here it comes and uh, as Spencer said to Golden State with their will their collective intelligence and the shooting of those two guys man they are you gotta you just gotta play 48 minutes against this team you really do like if they got Steph Clay and Draymond like you gotta play 48 minutes it's uh it's, it's pretty wild and guys maybe you're with me on this the biggest issue that that Golden State has in this series is that they don't have Jeremy Lamb. I mean, this guy is the Toronto killer. And so, uh, you know, I feel like the Warriors could really use Jay Lamb heading into to game six. But uh, but no, it's been a fun, it's been a fun, it's been a really fun finals, even with Durant's, you know, the specter of his injury sort of hanging over overhead. And we should mention, like, if there's one thing out of this game that, that Hornets fans and the Charlotte Hornets podcast should mention, it's like doesn't appear Kevin Durant is going to be playing basketball next season, at least not for the majority of the season. And that could very well make a difference in the Kimball Walker free agency chase. 100%. It changes a lot of things, changes a lot of things. And I think he just opts in to his player option. I would think, right? Like he doesn't explore, you know, going oh, elsewhere. It's hard to know. I still think there's like three or four teams in the league might be more that are still going to give him a max and know they're not going to yeah. have him for a summer or for a whole season. Same. Same here. It's just crazy to think like if Durant, you know, in terms of length of a contract, what what do you think just off the top of your head? Do you think he'd be looking for a like, let's say he's healthy, he's leaving Golden State hypothetically, you know, would he have been looking for like a a two plus one or a three plus one? You know, and then you think like, well, hell, if he's going to miss half a season or one full season of that, like, man, that's a like a substantial portion of the contract for whatever team signs him obviously like i agree like i think every team that has cap space out there still would like to spend it on kevin durant but it does make i don't know it it makes things a little a little clunky for wherever he might forever he may try to land it's just it's it's weird what happened last night or in game game five i should say yeah and i think without durant i'm not sure golden state wins that game you know you know his, his presence in that first dude quarter and a half crazy. was just yeah, amazing. Exactly, I, I had that thought last night too, Richie. It's like, well, those twelve minutes really mattered. Huge, yeah. huge. Those are the he had eleven points on sixteen touches in twelve minutes. Like you want yeah. to talk about just ruthless efficiency? That is Kevin Durant. You know, and one of those sixteen touches ended up being the one that you know ended the season for him too. Yeah. I think it was just a freak accident. I'm not sure how much it was tied to his previous injury i mean maybe it was uh but uh 
mean, he looked. Yeah, who knows? I mean, he looked. He looked healthy. Like he looked like he was himself. Clearly, with the way that he was uh, producing out in the court. Uh, but it just sucks, you know. If they knew something prior to that game and they rushed him back, I'm, I'm not sure uh, that's that's a good look. Well, just real quickly on that, like, can we acknowledge just for like one second that these players actually have some individuality, like to make their own decisions? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, all this talk about Durant, did they rush him back? Did they this? Did they that? How about how about he made a decision? How about like he is a competitor and it's the NBA Finals and whether or not, yeah. He, he felt – I mean, he obviously felt like he was ready to go out there and play. Like, he, I, I don't know. I, it just annoys me listening to all these talking heads talk about what Golden State – It could be both, though. Like, it, it could be both. I mean, it, I, I get that, be. but it's just like nobody wants to acknowledge that he actually had a hand in the right. decision, which is annoying. Yeah, and like, you know, Bob Myers can't make that guy do anything, right? Like, like Kevin Durant right. is a continent to himself, and he's got other layers between he and Bob Myers, too, like, you know, his, his agent, Rich Kleiman, and stuff, too. Now, I went on a show today, and they were basically trying to get me to, like, say, like, who pressured him? Was it the owner? Was it, you know, was it management or was it his teammates? And I was like, How do you know? I was like, yeah. I was like, dude, I've watched this game on my couch in North Carolina. Like, I have, <laughs> I have no clue. I haven't even been to Toronto or Oakland before. So I'd love to visit both these cities, but I have no idea. Um, and yeah, I mean, just everyone, everyone wants this thing to fit a certain narrative and it's just sort of silly, but um, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's, it's over now, you know, he's hurt. And um well, you can say whatever you want about Kevin Durant. Uh, there's a lot of things that people say, but I would say it's, if you still want to question his toughness as, as a competitor, yeah, you're, get you're, out you're, of here. Yeah, you're living in a cave get, at this point. Get get out of here, man. Um, yeah, yeah, but it should make for an interesting series. Uh, I, I could see it going either way. I, I could see Toronto wrapping it up in in in, in Oakland, yeah. or I could see uh, the Warriors actually coming back and winning it all. I know it's going to be tough, but. Uh, it's just been a strange series. So let's mm-hmm. get into uh, what we actually came here for and to talk about second round prospects. So we're going <laughs> to run down a list of second round prospects, whether they're more tailored for that 36 spot or the 52nd. We'll kind of talk about that. The first prospect that I want to talk about is, is Carson Edwards, junior point guard out of Purdue. He may not make it to the 36 spot, but I have seen some mock drafts where he does. Um, he is just, you know, the true definition of a bucket getter. He can shoot from wherever. Um, just look at some of his three-point attempts from NBA range. He took a boatload of those. Um, and despite his size, he can get into the paint. And he just has that it factor that you want out of someone that, you know, is clutch, comes up big when you need a basket. That's kind of how I view this guy is a, you know, a microwave scorer off the bench. He may not be a starting caliber point guard in the league. Um, he's not much of a distributor passer, that is. So I'm not sure, you know, what kind of role he would have with the team other than maybe just coming off off the bench. That's kind of kind of where I'll leave it at that. I do think that he can make it to the 36 spots. I think the Hornets would be wise to draft him or look hard at him if he is there, available there. Spencer, I'll start with you. What are your thoughts on on Carson Edwards and maybe what type of role you see with him uh, in the NBA? Well, I, I know Carson Edwards all too well. Um, yeah. He still visits <laughs> me in my dreams. I get the last you, laugh still. But you, you and you and Dre Hunter both. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, nobody can stop him <laughs> in the Elite Eight. I mean, just a, just an awesome performance, an all time performance. Really, I don't have the numbers ready for forty something points. The, his shot making. Uh, ability is off the charts 
but I, I will. I should have prefaced it with this. You know, there's not many players in the NBA his size that, that are real successful. Kimba Walker is one of them, although I think Kimba's a little bigger than Carson is, if you can believe that. But, you know, Carson Edwards was terrible in Big Ten play this season. Yep. Uh, and that has gone a little bit – well, it's been forgotten because of his NCAA tournament run. And, and all I'll say about Carson is this. I believe in his ability. I think he's a great shot maker. I think he can become a better creator for his teammates. But if he runs that hot and cold as he did last season at Purdue, and really as he did his career at Purdue, he's not gonna. He won't last in the NBA. Guys that size don't last in the NBA when they run hot and cold like that. He's gotta, he's gotta steady the ship a little bit more than he does, and he doesn't have a track record of being able to do that. Like a guy like Devontae Graham, for instance. So. Although I, I, I think he could be a rotational player in the NBA, I think there's also an equal chance that he, he, he has got to go overseas and play basketball. Yeah, I, I actually like kind of like Edwards. I, I'm not in on him as a first-round pick. Uh, Someone in that 36 range is interesting. Like Spencer said, man, he really, he really fell off a cliff in Big Ten play, like just over 30% on, on threes. And, and overall, like some of his other shooting numbers, they're like, okay, not great, like – 45% effective shooting on on pull-up jumpers in the half court, uh, 48% at the rim in the half court, uh, two dunks this season, and also 52% effective shooting on, on catch and shoots in the half court too. I think he's like a decent playmaker on ball, not great, right? So like the shot has to be the shot has to be there. He's gotta be a guy that can hit high 30s, 40% on his threes. And if that's the case, then like this is a guy that you're sort of saying like he probably tops tops out at like you know a microwave scorer off the bench. He's I think he's like a weird fit if Kemba were back in Charlotte. I, I think he pairs better with like a next to sort of like a, a bigger, more ball dominant player. You know, you think you know I'm not saying he's a Houston target. They don't even have a first round pick, but like you know you think you know Ben Simmons or James Harden or or some or you know DeMar DeRozan like just name these other sort of like 6-6 six, six or taller you know wings that handle the ball a lot I think Edwards would sort of slot better next to those guys than he would um maybe even propping up a a, a bench a bench offense but I think he's got I think even though like Spencer said really short he's an okay defender he's got like really strong sturdy legs and he can slide his feet like he can stay in front of a guy but I think it's got to be that it like the thing that's going to keep this guy in the NBA is not going to be playing passable defense as like a five whatever guard. It's going to be a shot making and and really his ability to hit from deep. And if he doesn't do that, then yeah, it gets it could get dicey. But if you believe in the shot, I think you believe in this guy as an NBA player. I'm sort of I, I'm sort of like in between. I just don't have a good enough feel to sort of like stake my claim on either side of that fence. Mm-hmm. All right. So this next prospect is a, is a pretty random prospect. As I was looking at uh, second round prospects for a piece that I did for Forbes recently, I found this guy. His name is Eric Holman, uh, senior power forward out of Mississippi State. He very well could go undrafted, uh, and I think he'll definitely be there at the 52nd overall pick. Uh, but what intrigues me a lot about him is the combination of his three-point shooting and his shot blocking as a big. Very intriguing, especially with the way that the NBA is going you probably need, you know, three and a half, four shooters on the court at all times. And if you can get that from a big, uh, that's great. And then with the Hornets perimeter defense not being, you know, where it needs to be, it's always good to have someone on on the back end to erase shots at the rim. And uh, I looked this up today. He is one of five 
college players that shot the ball 35% or better from deep and also had a block percentage of seven plus. And of those bunch, he easily had the best three-point percentage uh, with 43%. So, you know, shooting very well from behind the arc. Uh, He has a face-up game to him, and he can erase shots at the rim. So, Brian, am I reaching here with this guy, or do you see some potential out of Holman as, as a stretch big in the NBA? Yeah, I'm a little intrigued. Uh, you know, your eyes have to sort of light up when you see the the block rate over seven percent and the near forty three percent three point shooting on on a hundred attempts. Like, you know, he, he took almost as many threes as twos as he did this season, um, and he was okay at the rim. He shot seventy one percent overall at the rim this season. Thirty dunks. Like, he shoots from the the you know some of the good areas of the court. Little 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 too much mid range perhaps too, but like. The guy's an interesting two-way prospect. Any guy, anybody that can combine a high block rate with three-point shooting like that, he's a, he's got good defensive rebounding rates, good offensive rebounding rates, uh, close to eleven percent on the O glass, not over nineteen percent on the D glass, which is intriguing. You know, I, I'm not sure. I think he's one of those guys. I I, I see more you know G leaguer with this guy, but I'm certainly interested in him as as a guy that could be you know a fifth or sixth big off a of bench and maybe you luck into to finding something. Um, you know, those picks at the end of the second round, once you get to the fifties, they're so hard to map out with four year college guys and draft and stash European dudes, but I'm intrigued by him. Yeah, I am as well. You know, I mean I think he's he's proven he can shoot the three ball. The form certainly is good. Quick release, not uh will not hesitate to take it. Um, you know, he's a good athlete, so he finishes around the rim. He reminds me a little bit of a, a prospect <laughs> I guess technically it's still a prospect, still bounced around the league in the G League. Christian Wood had a yeah. cup of coffee in yeah. Charlotte. Reminds me a little yeah. bit of him. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not super bullish on his defensive abilities, you know, in terms of being able to switch out in a lot of positions, but he can obviously block shots around the rim and he can shoot threes on the other end, right? Like that means something. You you might be able to – he might be one of those guys that sneaks through the cracks, ends up on a, you know, late first-round team uh, that, that drafts him late in the second round and – and all of a sudden, he's in a playoff series. Like we see these, you see these kind of players every year. Uh, so when you have his size and you have solid athleticism like him, and you can score the ball and stretch the floor and then block some shots. Like he has a chance. But um, I, I kind of tend to agree with Brian. I, I think he's probably bounced around the G League just trying to find a spot. All right, on to the next one. I think this player is probably gone by thirty-six. Uh, Ty Jerome uh, Jr. You know, point guard, shooting guard, combo guard, whatever you want to call him. Out of Virginia, I know you guys have talked about him prior on this podcast, and so did uh, Caroline Darney about a couple episodes back. But uh, it's funny; I was actually just watching highlights of him today. You know, I, I don't obviously watch as much college basketball as the both of you guys, and just some of the things that I see out of him surprised me. I, I did not realize how good of a passer he was. He he passes his teammates mm-hmm. open a lot of times. You know, he he's very good on ball, but he can also play off ball. So I, I like that ability to where you could put him as a point guard, uh, if there's not another one out there, or if you do have another point guard, Kimba Walker, let's say, uh, you can pair him with Kimba and they can play together. You know, very good playmaker. He has a nice pull-up game. Um, You could probably put him in an NBA pick-and-roll system today, uh, and he would know exactly what to do. And um, I'm not sure he's going to make it to the pick uh, 36, but I guess the one thing that could hold him back might be his – athleticism and maybe his reluctance to take it all the way to the rim. Uh, Spencer, I know you have thoughts on Jerome and the type of player that he could be on the next level. So 
uh, please share those thoughts on, on, on your man, Ty Jerome. Well, you mentioned, you know, how he, how he passes people open a lot. You know, he, he is very skilled with that. He's, but his, his best, probably his greatest skill passing the ball is how he uses his eyes to look off the defense. Uh-huh. Um, he, he is a basketball genius offensively. He's just one of those guys. He knows where his teammates are. He understands angles. Uh, his shot making, his shot creating, shot making ability in that mid post area. Brian and I talked about this a few episodes ago. You know, the, the high yep. bankers off the glass and these incredible angles. Like he is an extremely wise, smart basketball player, wise beyond his years. You know, I, I look at a team like Utah as early as 23 and say, mm-hmm. man, could they use a guy like Ty Jerome to pair with? With, with Donovan Mitchell, you know, get him off the ball a little bit more. I'm not sure Rubio is going to be back for them next year. So I think that his ceiling could be higher than that, honestly. But that's kind of like what I circle is the earliest he could go. I, I With you, Richie, I doubt he makes it to 36. Um, I'm sure there's a group of teams in this league that just say he's not a good enough athlete. You know, yeah, okay, he can guard a few positions, but he's not going to be able to stay in front of NBA athletes and also say he's not going to be able to get by, you know, guys in the next level because of the same problem. I, I – there's those group of teams. They're called Phoenix and Sacramento, probably Charlotte. <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's just with, with Jerome, with how smart he is, with how well he uses angles, with how he uses his body to keep defenders on his back. I mean, look, Kawhi Leonard isn't a great athlete. I mean, he's not a real quick athlete that goes by, but when he constantly gets in the lane, he uses that strength to, to get to his spots and get off his shots. Like, I'm not comparing Ty Jerome to Kawhi Leonard by any stretch of the imagination, but a lot of the little – skills that you really can't measure and you can't figure out how he's doing what he's doing half the time drones the same way he's the same way so mm-hmm. you know I, I think he should be a first round pick but and the smart team will draft him probably the spurs or milwaukee or someone like that but it's just people <laughs> we, are gonna they're just gonna overthink themselves on todd jerome because he's not a good enough athlete we 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 talked to spencer as spencer alluded to we talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago we went into a little bit more detail but like you know, if you if you're sort of like landing Ty Jerome to that same category with Carson Edwards of like late first round, early second round guy, like give me Ty Jerome every day over over Carson Edwards. I just think I have a first round grade on Jerome. If he fell to 36, you draft this guy and you don't even you don't even think twice about it because you just probably found yourself a an NBA rotation guard that has some plus offensive ability. Should be noted the guy that we doesn't. It's not. It shouldn't be noted. Just a a fun little side note, uh, we compared him some to Malcolm Brogdon on the, on the last time we talked Ty Jerome. Malcolm Brogdon, of course, the 36th pick in the 2016 NBA draft. But look, Jerome is an absolute whiz at even when he can't get all the way to the rim because he really doesn't do that that often. I mean, he does get the rim pretty average, below 52% shooting at the rim in the half court. But he's so damn good on those floaters. And, and I don't have the the synergy shot chart pulled up in front of me, but you can filter through some of that on floaters. And there was one point late in the season where he was like, I, I think when I when I sorted out for, for distance and for shot type, I mean, he was shooting in like the high 40s on floaters from the floater zone. Uh, guy, this guy's a killer uh, in the clutch. Been a big shot maker for Virginia over the years, going really back the last two seasons. I think you can make a case he's one of the best movement shooters in the draft. Like he's up there with Cam Johnson and, and Kyle Guy, in my opinion. He shot this season 54% effective shooting coming off screens, over 1.07 points per possession. On catch and shoots this season, 71.8 effective shooting. That was number one in the ACC 
just edging out uh, Cam Johnson, who's another guy that's going to get drafted in the first round because of his ability to to run around and, and shoot off the catch. And I just think Jerome's a guy you can pair him with a lot of teams. Uh, I know there's some issues with his length. He, he measured with a negative wingspan at the combine. But I just think this guy's going to – and I obviously I don't think he's got a great first step. You know, he's going to be a guy that's going to need to – attack off advantage which would that would fit nicely into utah's offense or a guy that's going to need a screen or whatever too but i, I think it, i think that's that's fine like that doesn't you know for a guy that you're drafting late in the, in the draft like i just need a guy that's got some game you know if i'm not expecting him to have a lightning quick first step and um i think he's got it in his ability to be like a, a backup one or a guy that could be a, a really a really strong sort of like secondary off guard again a guy that you would put next to another pick and roll engine like Kemba or a, a bigger ball dominant guy like Harden, you know, like I, he just, I think in a secondary, I mean, Harden's a bet sort of, a, that's more of just like a standstill catch and shoot guy, but in an offense where he, you throw in the ball and you'd be looking for Ty Jerome to shoot or attack quickly. And I think he's the kind of savvy decision maker and he doesn't need to get all the way to the rim too, because he just needs, even if you're, even if the defender is like between he and the basket, Spencer, you know, this like, he just needs an angle, you know, and, it, and he can just get that shot and he'll use any corner or or part of the backboard and he'll just put it with so much touch. You expect it to go in every time. And I think yeah, the shot he made against Texas Tech in the national yeah, championship game totally. you know, down the wire when UVA was kind of blowing that game there. I mean, it kind of goes unnoticed to most UVA fans who are like, oh, just another tough shot by Ty Jerome. But I think people that didn't watch Virginia regularly were like, Wow, how did he make that? That was yeah. such a lucky shot. But it's not. That's it's his not. game. It's, it's not. It's ingrained in his DNA. And yeah. and just looking at some other stuff, you know, of his shots at the rim, of his two pointers at the rim this season, less than seven percent of those field goals were assisted. His two point attempts away from the rim, only nine percent of those were assisted. So he's got some shot creation, you know, to his to his to his craft. And obviously, seventy one percent of his threes were assisted on. So he's a catch and shoot guy. But I just think he. I just think he can do a lot of things offensively, even if you worry about him against NBA-level closeouts. Like I think he's got counters to that because he can attack a closeout going left or right and you know hit somebody with a drop-off pass. He knows where the weak side shooter is. I, I just think he's a smart offensive basketball player with a ton of skill, and I think he's going to be a good pro. I would agree, Brian. If he's there, Carson Edwards is there. No question. Uh, you don't even have to think about it. You take this guy over Edwards uh, 10 times out of 10. And he's a player that I feel you can put in a variety of lineups. You don't have to form the lineups around him. You can just kind of place them in there, um, and, and it's going to go smoothly. So we're going to talk about a little bit more of these prospects on the other side, but uh, I want to let you guys know about ShipStation.com. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. That's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get your orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, BuzzBeat listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE, B-L-U-E. There's absolutely no risk. You can start your free trial without even entering your credit card information. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. No wonder ShipStation is the number one choice for online sellers. 
you'll ship more in less time with the best rates available. Just visit ShipStation.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue. That's ShipStation.com, then enter promo code BLUE. ShipStation.com, make ship happen. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. Get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and, of course, overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know. You'll get a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for $3. All right, let's jump back into these uh, prospects in the second round. And then to kind of end this uh, episode, I do want to give you guys some rapid fire questions. But first, I literally just started watching this guy today, uh, Terrence Mann, um, a senior small forward out of FSU. I think that he's probably going to be available at that 52nd pick, uh, but I do like his game. Uh, but I'm not going to act like I have like a you know a total grip on this guy. Feels like anytime I watched highlight videos of him, he was always receiving backdoor mm-hmm. alley oops. You know, and I, and I looked it up, and he had 38 dunks on the season. He is someone that I feel is going to be getting either to the bucket and, and converting there or uh, draining threes. And uh, he shot 39% on 77 attempts uh, this past season. I'm not real sure how he is defensively. Maybe, BG, you can mm-hmm. speak on to that. But what more do you have on, on Terrence Mann? Because I, I literally just started watching him today. Uh, I'm a, I like Terrence Mann as a, as a second-round flyer. Um, but both, I mean I mean the word flyer in a couple of different senses. This guy had over 70, had 70 dunks the last two seasons and over 100 for his career at Florida State. He's an absolutely fearless player. Um, and he shot, it's not just like, oh, he gets out in transition and, he, and that's where he gets his dunks. Like this guy will finish in traffic in the half court. 61% shooting at the rim in the half court on non post-ups this season. And last season, that was up to 69% his junior year at the rim in the half court. Close to 1.5 points per possession on those looks. That's an absolutely monster number. A monster number. That's like that was like on par that season with like Marvin Bagley and Wendell Carter and you know Doral Moore, all these you know seven foot monsters in the ACC in terms of efficiency. And um, if I could just have a quick a, a quick little aside, like when I was down in Charlotte for ACC Media Day last year, I was ta- I was interviewing Terrence Mann. The dude is like a really sharp, impressive, an impressive prospect. He's He's no dummy, you know, on or off the court, and he understands basketball. He knew the shot was something he had to add this season, and he did. But I was talking with him, and I was mentioning this stat that I just rifled off to you guys about how good he was shooting at the rim this past season. And I was said something along the lines of, like, hey, man, like, do you know how good you were? Like, you were basically as good as, as Bagley and stuff last season. He was like, I, I had no idea. 
So man asked me if I would pull up on Synergy the numbers that showed him that he was like as good as all these 6'10", 7-foot post guys. And uh, he was like very pleased with his work too. So I, I think man's a really interesting prospect. He's a good defender who can guard a couple different positions. I thought he did well when he had some time against John Morant in the tournament. But I've seen him harass guys in the ACC for several years. Long, bouncy, athletic. Um, mom is he's the son of a coach. His mom is a basketball coach. Like He is a smart well put together prospect, both on and off the court. I, I think he's a guy that can get an NBA system and be a, a bench wing for a couple of years. Yeah, I agree. And you know what? I hope Terrence Mann looks back and he credits Brian for really building his confidence <laughs> and making him that's right, making him the NBA that's right. player that he is today. Because that's a, that's a big moment for both of you. But but uh, but no, in all seriousness, I mean, I think BG broke it down really well. What Mann did. Um, last season uh, was he added a three-point shot. And, and that to go along with the strength that he plays with around the basket. Um, you know, BG said over well, he's, he's an absolute fearless player, you know, on, on both ends. Um, he, he just impacts the game in a lot of ways. You know, six and a half rebounds a game, two and a half assists. He shot 39% from deep last year. He, there's not a weak spot in his game. He's not an incredible athlete. Uh, which is probably going to limit some of the impact he had. Um, certainly shooting as efficiently as he did at Florida State, that, that it's going to impact uh, you know, his lack of athleticism the next level. But he seems to me to be the kind of guy that is just a winning basketball player and any coach um, would take on their team, certainly as a second-round prospect. So, you know, it, it may create a lot of buzz in the, in the combine, too. I think he was the last guy in the combine, and he participated participated in the G League uh, showcase combine, whatever it's called, the day before, a few days before. So I think he's got some buzz going in the draft, and you know you could hear his name called late first round. I mean, I wouldn't rule that out. So I like Man a lot as a prospect. Yeah, I think the last thing I'll say on Man is, A, it was cool that he, he played himself into the combine. I thought that was impressive after his showing at the, the G League elite camp. And I just think sort of like Spencer was saying at the top there, if you believe in his three-point shot, then this guy's an NBA player. I think that's sort of like my baseline approach to Terrence Mann. Okay, so I want to talk about a player that's coming off an injury, a player that probably was still going second round, uh, but maybe he will fall even deeper in the second round, and maybe we could pick him up with the 52nd pick, or maybe he will still go in that 30 to 40 range. This is Charles Matthews, senior shooting guard out of Michigan. Uh, He tore his ACL in a workout with Boston, um, he really does have that potential as a lockdown defender uh, on, on the next level. He does a good job of anticipating passes uh, off ball with steals. But what to me was more impressive uh, when he's on ball, his ability to just kind of like pickpocket you as he's trying to um, or as you're trying to dribble around him. Um, offensively, he didn't really show a whole lot of promise outside of maybe getting to the hoop and scoring at the rim. Uh, so my thoughts to you guys are, do you think Charles Matthews I mean, I think he'll fall, but do you think he'll fall to the 52nd pick and maybe get him there? Or does he is he a player that you just kind of want to shy away from, not only because he tore his ACL, but because he just doesn't have a lot going for him offensively? Yeah, I, I, unfortunately for Matthews, I think the ACL injury is probably going to cause him to go undrafted. Um, and, that you know, look, that's okay because there's a lot of opportunities in the NBA in 2019-20 that weren't there, you know, four years ago when he started in Michigan. So, you know, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to find a spot in the G League. He's obviously got a rehab 
I love Matthews. I loved him at Michigan. Um, you know, he has a little bit in common with a guy that we just talked about, Terrence Mann. Um, you know, he's a really good defender. Uh, you know, I, I think that his offense has certainly been hit or miss. He's never really developed an outside shot that was very uh, trustworthy. But he's a strong, he's a strong athlete. He's, he, he can slash and he can play in through gaps when help defenders, you know, when they approach to try to cut him off. I mean, he's one of those crafty players that can get you a tough bucket. Uh, he's just that kind of guy. So, you know, I think he fits in the NBA, but he's obviously got to get healthy. Um, and now he doesn't have a chance to, to showcase for anybody else. So I would expect him to probably go undrafted. Would be a fantastic guy if we could get him in Greensboro somehow. Uh, I couldn't agree more. It's like if the guy figures out a shot, he's he's and he's healthy. He's he's totally like an NBA player. Um, I'll be quick with him. Just I love his defense. He's one of those guys. If you watch a Michigan game or just pull up one of his highlight packages, just like his ability to make multiple reads defensively on the same possession. Like you just can't have enough of these type of defenders. A guy that can that can stop his man from getting to the hoop when the ball gets swung, all of a sudden he's in good help position and he's looking to disrupt in the, in the passing lane. I, I just think he's an impressive player. Like Spencer said, I like how he gets into gaps. He shot 73% overall at the rim this season, 30 dunks, interesting player, but yeah, that, that injury is, um, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a bummer. Yeah. I mean, you could see him, you know, missing pretty much all the season, you know, with that torn ACL, you just never know. Uh, let me, let me go with, two other players that are also coming off torn ACLs. We have Chuma Okiki uh, from Auburn. Uh, he tore his ACL against the Tar Heels in March. And then you have Jonte Porter, who missed all of uh, his sophomore season with Missouri, but then he retore his ACL uh, while he was rehabbing it. I think Porter comes in as probably the higher prospect, uh, especially entering the season. But the fact that he retore his ACL – he might drop even farther. So my question to you, out of both of those prospects, Okiki or Porter, which one do you take a flyer on? And, you know, I know, Brian, you don't think that Okiki is going to fall to the second round, but let's just say both of them there at 36. Who do you, who do you select? Uh, I, I would take Okiki. Uh, I just, I think he proved, he, he mm-hmm. really did prove so much in NCAA tournament. Um, it was just such a bummer what happened, but you know, he, he was, he was on pace to, to lead Auburn to a national championship. And, and Brian said it earlier before yeah. we jumped on here. I mean, yeah. he, you know, it was like him and DeAndre Hunter, right, is like the two, uh, the, the best forward prospects in the country in this draft. So I really like Okiki. I, I think he's a defensive specialist with some offensive upside, some real offensive upside. It doesn't really get any better than him. I mean, that guy is about as switchable across five, really five positions, certainly four, as any guy has, you know, six, eight-ish in this entire draft. I love him, so I hope he, he gets a, a quick recovery. Yeah, I mean, if not for this injury, this is a guy I'm, like, advocating for the Hornets at 12. Like, he, he was that – I think he and Hunter were the, the two best big three – you know, big wing three and D prospects in the class. I think Okiki is a special player. And as Spencer said, he was sort of just gathering steam towards the end of the season, but five and a half percent block rate, three and a half percent steal rate, 39% on threes this year. I mean, 60% true shooting. Like you can believe the shot. It was a monster at the rim in the half court, 62%, 25 dunks this year and 59% effective shooting off the catch. Like a smart player that can score from all three or four levels in the half court can, can grade his own shot, has some post game, 
smart, patient around the hoop and a guy that can really guard a bunch of positions when he's going right. I mean, what happened to him in the tournament was um, was really a bummer because he was playing some amazing basketball and looked like maybe the best player alive in the tournament up there with Hunter and, and, and Culver at Texas Tech. Like He was just doing incredible things and he whooped up on UNC um, before before exiting too. So a special player, if he's there at 36, I don't think he will be. Um, you, you grab him before any of these other guys we mentioned, in my opinion. Yeah. I like Jonte Porter a lot. And he's a guy that even a year ago, I think should have been on the Hornets' radar if he decided to come out of Missouri. Um, he chose to come back. Things obviously went haywire. But he's one of those interesting fives because when healthy, he can really defend. He can block shots. And he can stretch it out to three, but he's got like some craft and, and post, you know, post skill to his game too. But no, 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 I'm with I'm with Spencer. Like it's all Okiki for me here. Yeah, I, I would agree. So three for three, I would take him as well. Very smart player on both ends of the court. Uh, offensively, a good post score, uh, and he actually shot 39 percent from deep, which I didn't realize he shot that well. And, 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 go ahead. and real quick on Okiki, just to kind of highlight just how good of a defensive player he is, especially from a Steels perspective at his size. Only Zion Williamson and the government defensive project that Matisse Thibel is, uh, they played free yeah. safety for Washington. Those are the only two guys that had him in the steal percentage last season. So he is the real deal there. Wow. So that's, that's, that's a good stat there. He just always seemed to be around the ball, making the right rotation and play defensively. So next question. Uh, I see this player projected uh, in second rounds a lot, and I'm not really sure why. Do you guys think that Taco Fall is an NBA player? <laughs> no, I do not think Taco Fall is an <laughs> NBA player. I mean, I, I get the injury because he's like nine feet tall or whatever, um, and he did some mean things to Duke. You know, he put, he really did put some pressure on Duke's half court offense with his, um, you know, the. Central Florida took a playbook out of like the Warriors in 2015 and in, in the in the finals and they just put Taco Fall on on Trey Jones and just had him stand at the rim um, and deter RJ Barrett and, and Zion Williamson, which induced some stress. But like these guys like, you know, like like Taco Fall or, or Christ Kamaji coming out of Florida State, and a, you know, seven foot four guy who blocked a million shots while he was in Tallahassee, like it's just you can't protect the rim in the NBA like you do in college basketball. You know what I mean? Like there's a defensive three seconds and teams space the floor way, way, way better. And there's way less zone and teams are going to drag you away from the hoop and put you in a pick and roll until you guys just, until you just bleed points and your team has to take you off the court. I can't imagine this being a guy that can really like credibly guard a pick and roll. Um, but you know, if he, if he could, like if that guy can get into his stance and corral ball handlers and, you think if you drop him enough, it's gonna like that's gonna work. Then yeah, maybe he's worth a worth a flyer because of the size, because he was such a power at the you know if he gets the ball at the rim, it's a, it's an auto dunk basically. But um, but no, nah, I don't I don't see Taco Fall as an NBA player. And if I had to pick one thing, it's because of the ball screen defense. Yeah, I mean I, I agree 100. percent I think it's pretty funny like the people that are trying to talk themselves into uh, to Taco. But uh, yeah, I just don't see a way to keep him on the floor. It, we just tend to, we, we forget every single year. There's always one prospect that you yeah, had the measurables or whatever it is. It just kind of blows you away and draft express will say, Oh, we haven't had anything in, in our database like this in years. And everybody's like, Oh, great. But he's going to be good in the NBA then. Right? No, like college basketball is a different sport than the NBA. We forget that 
every single year. Like so much different. Duke had one guy who could shoot the ball from outside last year. So I think UCF kind of knew, yeah, you're just going to stay in the paint here. They're going to drive it and try to drive it down our throats just like they do every other team, and you'll be there, and you're 7-7, and that'll give us a chance. So that's not going to work in the NBA. Tago Fall cannot play real minutes in the NBA. Yeah. His his numbers are hilarious, though. He shot 70, 75% on twos this year. 36% on free throws. <laughs> he attempted just one three-pointer his entire career at Central Florida. He had 88 dunks this season, and he shot over 81% at the <laughs> I mean, these are absurd numbers. 11.5% block rate. But, like, I mean, come on. He's just, like, this isn't actually an NBA player. Let's be no, serious Too here. gimmicky. Too gimmicky. He, he's no Boban. Yeah. No Boban. So, um, no. <laughs> all right. Quick. It's an interesting comparison, yeah, I guess. At least yeah. Boban's got somewhat of a shot. Thanks again for tuning in. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at BuzzBeatPod and visit BlueWirePods.com for more great content. Uh, we will see you guys next time. Go Hornets. <laughs>